Well, good morning. Uh, the Bromley Buzz is now in the Civic Centre in Bromley. And I'm Darren Wheel, as ever, with... Seenat Narani. And... Good morning. My name's Colin Smith. I'm the leader of Bromley Council. Yes, I couldn't resist it when I was coming into the reception. It's the only time I ever get to do this. Uh, take me to your leader. I'm very good. Very good, Darren. <laughs> well, I actually came because I got in there a couple of minutes before you, and I was like, um, I have a meeting with uh, Colin Smith. They both they looked at me and went, Colin Smith? And they're like, which one? And there's me going, okay, now I'm going to have to go through my emails. <laughs> and I went, the one that's once seen easily, Maggie. <laughs> once seen easily forgotten, there's another one in our benefits team, one of the managers in our benefits right. team. So, yes. Yeah, so. common as muck, I'm afraid. But there we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did say leader as well, so I got that in too. The, the third <laughs> member of our team is actually Smith Collins, so maybe you should double barrel yourself. Oh, no, I don't think so. I'm not, I don't think I'm double barrel. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway, to, to the... Uh, the subject at hand. Uh, thank you for seeing us. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here uh, because the council is one of the great and most important bodies in English political and service delivery life. Uh, but for people that are less familiar with exactly what councils do, what does Bromley Council do? We do everything um, in terms of protecting the local environment, and perhaps most importantly of all, protecting the vulnerable citizens amongst our community, both adults and children. So from collecting bins through to expensive send packages, looking after old age people in, in their homes, uh, encompasses everything. Um, trying to house people, um, which is incredibly difficult. Councils across the country struggling against the backdrop of insufficient supply. Uh, so anything and everything that gets people exercised, quite rightly so too, the council tends to have a hand in is doing its utmost to try and put right. Well, you're saying that you're an early riser. I can see why after you said that. <laughs> um, can you give me an idea of how many people the staff, the staff of the council is and what kind of budget you deal with? Yes, so we have over a thousand people working uh, here in the council. A budget of some £620 million, uh, that's a huge amount of money, lots and lots of taxpayers' money and we're always ultra-conscious of the fact that we're spending every penny we spend is not ours, it's somebody else's, which is uh, gives us that incumbency to make sure we're getting best value for it whilst trying to provide best services at the same time and that balance can sometimes be a struggle obviously. Well, you're the leader of the council, which is obviously a single role in this area. What do you do? Yes, I am, um, and it uh, is a very, very great honour. Uh, it's not thrust upon you by right. Um, every single thing I do, I'm conscious of the fact I'm here to do for other people. Uh, but what do I do um, daily? I tend to be up and at my keyboard before the phones start ringing. Um, so get as much of the day's work done, perhaps by mid-late morning as I can. Uh, that leaves me free to do casework. You know, being a leader isn't just sitting at a smart desk in a, a sharp office. Uh, I'm still a ward councillor and ever conscious of that. So whether there's potholes not being filled, bins not being collected, those are 
those jobs don't leave you just because you're the leader of the council. Um, and of course, always, always, if there's uh, an evening meeting, and there are quite a lot of them, have to be free for those. So it can be a pretty all-in, pretty tough um, time in, in terms of time management on occasions. But uh, it, it's nevertheless a great role and a hu huge experience, and uh, I'd recommend it to anyone. <clears throat> With what you're saying there, it's one you know. Obviously, you lit, you know you have such a busy um, schedule and day. How do you manage that with your free time, your personal time? Where does that come in? How do you manage that? If I'm honest, not particularly well. Um, it is pretty all-consuming. Mm. Um, I'm constantly uh, told by my better half that my <laughs> my work-life balance isn't as good as it should be. Um, but it, I suppose it is uh, it is something being something of a workaholic you uh, well you know how it is in any walk of life it, people get into their roles it's difficult sometimes to lift your head and see there are maybe other things out there that you should be doing for yourself for your, for your, for your families etc um, but no it's uh, when I'm not doing this role um, I try to keep my hand in in terms of following sports, nice. quite like listening to a bit of music, the old, the old 80s and 90s. Uh, the best time. But the best times, <laughs> the best of times, yeah, the sort of solely solely stuff and the, the, new, um, the new band stuff. Um, so that's what I really like to do and not adverse to uh, popping out and seeing my mates in the pub either, so there we are. <coughs> so you do have some... Uh, personal time and social time in there but yes probably needs a bit of the clarity coach <laughs> yes quite <laughs> <It's out. laughs> sounds like a plan it sounds like a no, plan I, I think probably some of the people that yeah, um, are it, fellow councillors and in the meetings because you mm. do the clarity and then shorten the meetings down a bit there you go <laughs> yes it, some people do like to explain at length don't they in their meetings you've noticed that have you I oh, have indeed <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, and you can see sort of uh, posturing statement making coming um, as people start speaking in there as well. <coughs> I must absolutely get this on the record. Um, nothing's going to happen as a result of what I'm saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. I couldn't possibly comment. Naturally. <laughs> naturally. <laughs> While we're on kind of the um, sort of the light stuff there of, you know, your personal side and uh, how the you pub. keep the balance and the pub, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your background and your upbringing. Oh, me? Um... South London boy, um, through and through. Born in Camberwell. Um, mum and dad lived in uh, Nunhead. Uh, moved out to the country, as they called it, um, bless, um, in 1963. Country being Beckenham, um, <laughs> where mum and dad still live. Um, yeah, very much like many, many Bromley families. It was that perhaps that inner London generation post the war, looking for, give their kids something they never had, a betterment. Um, you know, good schools in, in Bromley, grammar schools back mm. in those days as well, um, which are now sort of in and out of flavour, depending on people's point of, points of view. Um, yeah, left school at 16, um, wanted to get out, earn some money type stuff, uh, joined, joined the bank, made a pretty good living there, um, no complaints at all. Um, put me in a position 2002-ish 
to look for other stuff. Uh, and I was always, always been very interested in politics, very interested in politics. <clears throat> so I thought uh, a bit. I thought try and be a councillor. So I phoned up my local MP, Eric Forth. Um, huge loss as far as I'm concerned. Eric, he was a fantastic guy uh, and, and gave me good coaching, certainly. Um, he told me what, what to do, who to speak to. He said, you have to be on a, you know, a humdrum committee for a, a couple of years to sh show your worth. Um, and within about f four months, I got a phone call. There's been a bit of a bust up on one of the selection committees. Would you be interested in standing on being a councillor? So uh, I said, well, I would. He said, well, I can't guarantee it. You'll have to go through an interview like everyone else. So I remember toddling off to the um, Conservative uh, branch office on, on Red Hill in uh, Chislehurst, sitting there ever so nervous, got wheeled in, put through my paces, and um, along with another Colin, a chap called Colin Bloom, who's been on um, through the party, um, got taken on as ward councillors and uh, one after two recounts with a, a majority of 17 um, and that was it, a foot in the door and uh, then, then it gets you and uh, it's in your blood and you can't let it go. So uh, <laughs> here we are 21 years later. Fantastic, wow. So um, what is it that you enjoy most about um, you well, what you enjoy most doing in the borough so you know yourself like in terms of the arts I mean you mentioned sports and things but going out for meals and no what I enjoy doing most is wherever I can making people happy yeah if if you can if you can turn someone's day around or even on occasions turn their life around just by doing something that nobody else has been able to do for them, that's a tremendous feeling. That is, yeah. you know, that's that's what all politicians, in my view, ought to get out to bed in the morning with a view to doing. And conversely, one of the things I absolutely hate doing, but sadly on occasion you have to, yeah. is disappointing people because you just can't give them what they want or indeed often what you would like to give them as well. Um, whether it's a constraint on policy, whether it's a constraint on funding. So those are the highs and lows of, of being a councillor to me. You can do lots of stuff in between and perhaps some of my achievements, I think they're achievements, some, some might disagree over the years, you know, introducing green garden waste bins uh, when I was an operational environment, uh, helping set up and grow the Friends movement, Friends of Parks, street friends, snow friends. Um, so doing things like that do make you feel pretty good. <clears throat> Equally, over time, we've had to uh, rationalise lollipop people. Mm -hmm. um, we've had to rationalise public conveniences. Sorry, I'm not to interrupt here. How do you rationalise a lollipop person? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's a fair I'm question. <laughs> what, so by rationalising lollipop people, um, we've, what we had to do about 10 years ago, we had to explain to schools that whilst we would maintain uniforms and training, that we couldn't actually pay for the roles. So some schools, um, 
went out, got a bit of sponsorship, which was mm. great. Um, others um, sought volunteers, to, with to some success or otherwise, and some sadly um, disappeared. Um, and it's doing stuff like that. You know, you know instantly it is going to be highly unpopular. Mm. Nobody wants to do it. No. Um, but that's how long actually. It's not a bad insight. The only reason for doing stuff like that is around finance. So that's how long local government has been trying to save money um, over over a decade. So you run back to the austerity stuff and everything that's flown from it mm. since. Everything is about providing best value for money and reducing services where you think you can maintain that quality of service whilst reducing spend at the same time and it's a tough balance to hit on occasions. I've got a nice question about that coming up in a minute. Have we? Yeah. Right, I'll wait. Cool. <laughs> Another nice question is, actually, Zenat was talking about what kind of things do you do for leisure and to what extent are they in the borough? Is there any, any place that you particularly enjoy? But one specific question related to that, uh, Bromley Football Club uh, won the FA Trophy, I think it was, a couple of years ago, and we were at Wembley to watch that. Were you there? <coughs> no, I wasn't. I was, uh, and the reason for the fact I wasn't there was a I was in Florida, and it, was a, a, very good it, it was a bit of a trick back, and I didn't fancy that <laughs> for that cab fare very much. <coughs> um, but the second reason was was in 2018 when they won the FA Trophy, mm. I was there, and we lost. Um, and I am something of a bock with my sports teams. Whenever I actually go and see them live, they invariably lose. So I actually put Bromley's success down in winning the trophy in 2022 to the fact I wasn't, wasn't there. there. So there we are. <laughs> well, on behalf of um, Andy Woodman, uh, the manager yeah. who we've interviewed, thank you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure he and the lads would be very grateful now they realise what the route to their success was. Yeah, your sacrifice is not unknown. <laughs> Do you know what? It was a lovely, lovely game. I think that was the first, no, second time I've ever been to a football game. So it was wonderful to be there mm. and see that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the exception to that rule on my, on my sports trips, I was <laughs> lucky enough to have a ticket to the um, cricket one-day final against New Zealand. Blimey, that was getting on four years ago, so I'll get to go now. And uh, what a tremendous day that was. Uh, we, we won in extra time, as it were, on the Golden Over. Um, that was, yeah. So that was a fantastic day. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I do like to see sport, but I must confess I'm more of an arm, armchair general now. So there we are. There we go. <laughs> well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, cricket, because uh, Peter Fortune has uh, suggested we take a look at uh, Hayes Cricket Club, which we will. And on the, the smallest scale, I was at um, the produce fair in Chelsfield Village um, the other day and uh, next to it was Chelsfield Village um, cricket team playing away. Um, I must have been a bit like you for one of the batsmen because I only saw one ball bowled and it got caught and <laughs> the batsman got caught out. Um, now as you said it is challenging uh, being the leader of a council, being a council at all in the current climate and it is often that way. Um, how can Bromley's residents actually help the council back themselves? <clears throat> it's a great question. And actually, um, uh, in Bromley, we have got the most fantastic set of uh, residents by and large already <clears throat> when it comes to supporting the voluntary sector, volunteering in general. <clears throat> Just go back to the COVID thing. Um, we had, within weeks, four and a half thousand people step up to be counted 
when they were needed. There were other council leaders all across London. Absolutely, wow, how did you manage that? And the answer is, we didn't really have to manage. All we had to do was ask, because people in Bromley are so ever ready and willing. To, and it is a massive, massive bonus for the council and indeed for the borough as a whole that we've got that well of goodwill there when we need it. Mm. Um, going forward, and again, I mentioned the, the friends groups, friends of uh, parks, uh, tree friends, snow friends, street friends. That ethos, looking at the financial projections of local government, which look ugly in the extreme, irrespective of what council you represent, what political party you represent, the, the projection of local government finance is absolutely awful. So we do need residents wherever they can to help us, perhaps to help themselves on occasions. So as a starting point, um, maybe, just maybe, no, you shouldn't have to. I know it's, you know, no, no one's telling you to, but, you know, when perhaps you see that metaphorical tin of Coke in, in the curb, could you please maybe pick it up and put it in a bin, rather perhaps than raising it as an inquiry and... Sending, you know, and again, before before your before your listeners all start writing in, why should we have to? You shouldn't have to. No one's telling you to, but little things like that can help and save a lot of time and indeed a lot of resource. Um, and the reason we need resource is with the growing well of <clears throat> perhaps kids with SEM packages, mm -hmm. mental health issues, particularly falling out of COVID. Our social care budgets are stretched they're stressed uh, and they're only going one way i fear at the moment on top of which housing is the biggest um probably the biggest cost all councils across certainly across london are looking at at the moment yeah. well you've alluded to one thing which to some extent is a, a little different from other councils so you're quite right the voluntary sector in bromley is very strong from the Rotarians and through so many groups that have been set up, uh, us with the Let's Talk Better, the Bromley Buzz, and effectively community things, Mercedes Yearly with her drama workshops, the list goes on. Uh, Parisa Wright was talking about the Greener Cleaner Hub uh, in the Glade yesterday at the TEDx. Um, what's different to you, other than those things perhaps, about being a leader in Bromley? Because I know we have our own history, we've got Bowie and things like that, and then there's We've got an actual airport and all this green space. We have. Um, what's different about Bromley? Um, there's lots of different things about Bromley. Mm -hmm. Bromley is the biggest London borough, 58 and a half square miles. So big. Um, one of our wards, Darwin Ward, is so big, you could pick up Kensington and Chelsea and you could drop it into Darwin. Um, that's the magnitude of the size of the borough. And I think one of the other things that's different, uh, I think the is it 1964 London Councils Act that set up the 32 boroughs and the City of London. Um, there are many, many people across Bromley, and I defy you to do a little test on the way out, as I've, I did to a lady from the BBC many years ago when she came down. If you ask people for their address, they will tell you that they live at number seven Acacia Avenue, Albington, Beckenham, Bromley, whatever. Bromley, Kent, were, and I think there is a strong residue of people 
actually probably would rather live in Kent, if truth be told. Uh, yeah, um, so, so I, I think there is a strong independent streak amongst Bromley residents mm. that don't perhaps tend to conform to one-size-fits-all models. Um, and I think that's true, again, absolutely apolitical. I think that's true of whoever's running what. Mm. People tend to think that, you know, this is different. And frankly, if you lived in... I don't know, I was up at Cuddam recently, but whether you're at Cuddam, you're at Darwin, you're at Green Street, actually it feels like Kent, it looks like Kent. You can, and, I, and I think particularly across the southern swathe of the borough, I think there is a strong feel, feel and idea of that. Great. And, you know, Darren was mentioning about, you know, the, the gems that we have here in terms of, you know, the Bowie, we've got the beautiful Chisholm's Caves, historical sites and things. Um, what, what, how, how do you, in, how do you vision or see Bromley change over the years? Because up, so for example, I've been here. How old's my sister? Forty-two. So forty-two years. After she, she was born and we moved into Bromley because we're just down the outskirts. So forty-two years, and it's gone through such a change, up and down, up and down. I mean, what are the great changes that have happened, say, in the last say forty, fifty years? We're talking kind of. uh, greater population. Um, uh, was that by about thirty thousand or so since two thousand? I think so. More people, mm -hmm. more houses, busier. <clears throat> Unquestionably, the demographics changing as well. Mm -hmm. um, bought my first house, December nineteen eighty. Um, I live in Hayes. Hayes used to be a, a suburb full of, um, if you will, retired bank managers, uh, retired policemen, retired colonels from the army. <clears throat> you, you look at Hayes today, the demographics are emphatically changing, mm -hmm. and that's in perhaps one of the slightly more genteel parts mm -hmm. of the borough. <clears throat> but you look at some of the uh, some of the other parts of the borough, you know, the, the northwest of the borough, a really buzzing, vibrant, mm -hmm. um, multicultural... Uh, um, set of all things that you could be anywhere in London a anywhere yeah. at all in London and you can understand why there's different people around the borough feel differently about different things because those guys up there will actually believe absolutely they're intrinsically a part of London mm -hmm. and they live that life they've got that vibe um, lots of successful people working in the city as youngsters just need a flat to perhaps crash out mm -hmm. before you go back and start your next 16 hour day um, and it's completely different so that that social mix um, has definitely changed as well yeah. and it's interesting that you said that because I think Bromley is a, I mean I absolutely love it because you've got the best of both worlds so I'm not a city person I don't like living in the city but it's at our doorstep but also like you said we've got elements here within the borough that it gives that vibe and that feeling so you don't have to travel all the way to London or um, you know in terms of expenses some people because they find it expensive we've got a lot around us haven't we we have you're 14 15 minutes from Victoria down at Bromley South uh, if you want to go up to London easy to get to we're 14 15 minutes away from effectively rural Kent the North Downs if you want to jump in your car and go the other way, um, 
I said recently, I think it's the last magazine we put out, um, I can't think of another part of London I would prefer to live in around the capital. I'm sure people in different parts of the capital and different parts of outer London will say that absolutely of their boroughs as well, and so they should. We all feel an affinity, well, most of us feel an affinity and a loyalty to where we live, and pre presumably most people live where they want. Um, those obviously can are lucky enough to be able to afford to. But no, um, I, I cannot for the life of me imagine if, if, somebody, if somebody dropped £5 million in my bank account <laughs> overnight and said, there you are, Colin, you can buy a house anywhere you want in Belgravia. I'm sure that wouldn't cover it, but you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't no. want to live in the centre of, of, of town. It's just how you grow up, what you're used to, isn't it? So, What would you say is the one... Well, it's hard to say the one thing, but the one thing that Bromley needs now to make it even greater than what it is. What's the, missing? What What's missing to yeah. me, and I am sorry to come back to the topic of cash, mm. because it drives everything. Um, the one thing that Bromley is missing, to my mind at the moment, is a better funding settlement from government. I'd hasten to add, I'm talking about governments going back 25 years of all colours and none. <clears throat> Outer London, the shires have been denuded of money over the years. Um, and we're beginning to see councils fail because of it. You've, we've, you know, we're seeing, again, a political point. Councils of all political persuasions are beginning to tip over the edge. And the ones that have gone already have tended to be the first to go because they've made bad mistakes. They've made errors. <clears throat> but there is a conveyor belt that every council in the country is on at the moment to insolvency. Mm. And Bromley is on that conveyor belt as well. We've got three and a half, four years left in us. But unless something radical changes, that's the projection of where, sadly, and bear in mind we were being criticised a few years ago for having too many reserves, um, <clears throat> that is the... That is the the frightening prospect of local, and, and, and why that's important is all the things we love dear, you know, bedding plants in the spring, having your lawns and verges cut, um, having your bin collected two weeks, uh, uh, two weekly. <clears throat> all of those things come under threat when councils begin to go insolvent. Um, now, I say we're nowhere near that here in Bromley yet. But it's frightening. You will see, I predict, two or three councils in London uh, probably have to declare themselves insolvent over the course of the next few months. Um, and that's not a good place, I think, for any of us to be. So I do think local government funding is... If I had a magic wand, that, that would be, that'll be the one thing I'd ask, ask the good fairy to um, grant us. I think I'm going to go into a little bit of description at this point for our <laughs> audio listeners. Um, do you, have, by the way, have a secret office that we don't know about, which is lined with gold and myrrh and uh, other opulent things? Has that Peter Fortune chap been talking? <laughs> <laughs> I told him that was no one was to know. <coughs> no, no, we don't. Unfortunately, we're fr we're fresh out of offices with golden ornaments to flog. As I say, we're in this old historic building. Uh, and it's got a, a very nice fireplace. It's got some good, solid wooden furniture. Which but it's got a, a fairly ordinary 
cabinet over there, sorry to insult your premises, I don't mean to. Uh, it's got uh, a nice stack of um, slightly menacing paperwork on your desk. Uh, one of the uh, trays is actually something that people pick up their fruit and veg in from down the market. So th this is not the symbol of a uh, fat count council I'm sitting in at the moment. In fact, the mayor's parlour, <laughs> if you want to go in that kind of thing, is uh, the nicer bit of the premises, isn't it? Um, and in fact, we're on the move anyway, because the council is contracting the estate at the moment. It is. Um, and again, I'm just a bit upset you don't like my 1978 IKEA cabinet over there. So that's <laughs> <laughs> I'm an Art Deco man, that's a trouble. Yeah, I, I, I can't <laughs> But no, we are, we are on the move. Um, it's a fossil, by the way. I think I've just seen and, and that's another example of how we're having to cut our cloth to match our circumstances. Nobody wants to, I mean, this is just dripping in history. Council's been here for 40 plus years. You would, wouldn't want to move, but when we found out the direct line were on the move, you could immediately see there was an opportunity because this place, as you allude to, uh, it needs a lot of work doing to it. We were thinking five, 10 years ago, other councils have redeveloped their councils already. We were looking at this thinking, this is how much could this cost? 30, 40, 50 million to build a new campus. Um, so when that chance, that, that modern fit for purpose office came up, there was the immediate view that not only would it save money redeveloping something here, but for a lesser price, you could buy that building, take not only your own staff in there, but it's that big, that we can get a rental income from other key partners and you know there's going to be some really good news stories coming out of there over the course uh, I hope of coming weeks and months of partners who are joining us to consolidate that one Bromley partnership feel which I think is very important and maybe we'll get a chance to come on to that but uh, but yes I, I can't speak about the numbers because they um, some of them are, are, are business sensitive but the interest in this place, which is up for sale at the moment, this building is protected, Grade 2 listed, so this is protected, so is the park beyond, that remains a public park. But the interest in the developable bit has been phenomenal. So we are anticipating lots of bids with, from people with very sharp pencils shortly that will actually boost the, the business case for moving as well, which frankly is already quite attractive but but it is sad but it's change and basically local councils need to change to, to stay above water at the moment and that's just part of it locally. Yes. I mean change is good sometimes isn't it? I mean, for me it, it, I've got memories of this so my parents um, house is literally over there on the you know on the backing of just where the, um, the pond is in the park and at, when we were young we used to jump over and play and run around the park area so we've got Sorry, great was memories. That, was that trespassing? Right? Yes, trespassing. No, it's a public park. <laughs> so it, didn't it was the... our fence. <laughs> it's a bit, bit defensive there, Darren. It's a bit defensive. We were young, you know, exploring the woodlands. Fair enough. We used to just love it and then we'd sit by the pond and it's a beautiful place. I mean, I was telling my parents that this you know, it's been um, sold and you move and they were like, but we used to go for walks there, we're not going to go, how are we going to walk there? And I said, no, that apparently that's going to remain um, 
and people can still walk through, but the rest of it's going to go under development. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that sort <coughs> of 60s or 70s, yeah. really average-looking stuff as you come into the car park, that, that will, I'm sure, be gone shortly. Yeah. Well, when you've moved, um, then you'll concentrate even more, from the sound of it, yeah. on the one Romney partnership you just mentioned. Do you like to tell us more about yeah. that? Yeah, but by all means, I mean, one of the, again, whether it should be because it's financially driven or should be because it's service delivery oriented, um, it should be both. And one of the things we've been doing with health partners over the course of, blimey, the last on and off, on and off for the last decade, but more focused um, over the course of the last two or three years, is we've come together with NHS colleagues, with with um, local doctor uh, surgery groups, uh, with Oxleys, with mm-hmm. people like St Christopher's, Bromley Health Tra- uh, Healthcare, <clears throat> all working together because we know, and I, I co-chair it um, uh, with um, Dr Andrew Parson, um, one of the things we know as partners is that if we work together maturely, share things and do things that help everyone, it not only saves valuable resource, which is clearly important, um, but actually it delivers better outcomes for our residents and our patients. So so yes, that's the public meeting we hold about once a quarter, um, and it, it's thriving. And I'm told, um, without uh, talk, talking our own book up too much, I'm told it is being viewed uh, in a lot of places as a good model for others to follow. So I hope that I hope that's right. It certainly feels good. Well, I only have one more question myself, and I've had conversations with people from other boroughs, and they've been saying things like, "Well, the council's chopping down the trees." Uh, in a time of um, climate crisis as well. Uh, Bromley has been planting 5,000 of them. What led to that decision? We've always, and this is difficult because when it comes to dwindling reserves and it comes to a dwindling revenue budget, there are statutory duties we have to do, whether, you know, quite rightly so too, but you have to do them because they're statutory and the budgets around children's, the budgets around adult care are, are take up a vast proportion of the budget and they're increasing, which pushes all the stuff you can do, all the all the visible stuff to the public that the public want, you know, bins being collected on empty, bins on lampposts being emptied regularly, streets being swept a little. The pressure on those budgets is growing, growing, growing. But we take the view that one of the things that makes Bromley, yeah, unique, is our volume of our green open space, 58 and a half square miles. Just look at a map, you can see that mm. basically after the centre, you get down to Bromley, perhaps Farnborough, everything's green. We've got lots of trees. One of the things we can do, one of the things we know gives people pleasure, one of the things we know is good for mental health, one of the things we know is good for the environment, <coughs> are trees. So we came up with the notion actually rather than perhaps just talk about terms of net zero and you know which is obviously highly desirable and highly flavor of the month in terms of conversation what could we actually do to physically contribute to it and one of the you know it, it sets a tone if, if you show i think 
that the council cares for the environment. I think that imparts us maybe a subliminal message, but I, th I think that's important. I think it sets a good example, and I think people buy into it. Mm -hmm. So yes, so we decided to plant lots of trees. Um, we're still touting around with people like the, the Woodland Trust to see, um, see if, if, if anyone's got a job lot of trees that they want to get rid of. Sadly, we can't pay for them, but if, if there's a, a job lot of trees, I'm sure we can find an empty space to put them in because, you know, they're clearly good for good yeah. for wildlife and Absolutely. they make people happy. And what's wrong with that? And I think you know, speaking about planting trees, even on the high street alone, uh, there've been a couple of trees that have been put in, like smaller ones, or you've created that seating place where you've um, put in sort of herbs and bushes, and that really does bring a, a beautiful feeling and environment to, oh, this is a high street. It brightens it up as well. It does. Um, I mean, and if I could just use your august channel to make a quick plea while we're on the uh, subject <laughs> of trees, it would be, if you've got a tree outside your house, it's like as not that you asked for it, because that's how we decided where they should be prioritised. Could you please, 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 next spring when it starts getting sunny again, please water them? Um, so important. Council physically can't get around the borough watering every every sapling. Sadly, some have been lost. Not that many, fortunately, but some have. It's a shame because they don't need to be. So please, could you water them? And on that note, sorry, I just wanted mm. to mention because Darren is a person who he'll have his water bottle and he will sometimes take a sip of his water and then he'll water the trees as he's oh, walking down the yeah. street he does that so there you go a prime example sitting right here well on, done on your plea. yeah i don't have a, a follow-up question on that one which is um if people's newly planted trees do die is there <coughs> a facility to have one replanted if um, requested and it, it, i know that it's, it's, it's budget, but I thought I'd again it's not to say no but each year we have to look at the budgets in, within the context of what's affordable for the next year. So certainly if if the odd tree here and there has been lost, we do have a budget for replacing trees. And I'm sure if there's someone wants to give one a loving home we can we can find three, four hundred pounds for, for a tree. But best thing is not to let them die in the first place. And uh, don't forget if they start wilting or even if they lose their leaves, sometimes that's a self defence mechanism for a tree and they're not actually dead. So do keep watering them. Absolutely. Right, I will uh, literally put up a green blog post uh, on how to take care of trees. Mm. We're actually sponsored by a uh, landscaping company, Terra Firma Landscapes, so I'll get their advice. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my, one of there are two favourite trees that I've got in Bromley, and that's in the Queen's Park, and we used to go and sit there and it's the one that kind of almost looks like a swing. I don't know if you see yes. it towards, uh, yes. that is one of my favourite trees. Yeah, I know. Are you talking about the one up to the, by the entrance, aren't yes. you? By, by, yeah. the, by the restaurant. By the restaurant. Belgium, what used to be Belgium, whatever it's called. Y yes, Belgium, yeah. yeah. <coughs> that one, and the one diagonal to that, there's another one sort of towards the um, the road as well. We also, Fantastic trees. We discovered in the podcast as well, when we were doing the interviews at uh, Down House, the black myrtle tree there, and because of the way it propagates itself, it's literally walking across the garden. Well, for a very long time. But <laughs> well, as in throwing up rootlets. It puts out branches. The branches hit the ground. That roots itself. Tree grows up. The original tree may fade away. Beautiful. Hmm. 
fascinating. No, I think most of my questions have been answered because uh, you've been so efficient. You've kind of answered all of those ones, especially around the mental health side of things and provisions and where it's at. And do, do you know what? Uh, that's you know we 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 have set up um, <clears throat> around mental health a loneliness strategy. Yes. Um, which is really raising interest everywhere. I mean, what we've done around that agenda, um, I think something for the borough to be very, very proud of. Absolutely. And actually the mayor, um, Councillor Cuthbert, before her yep. promotion to the cabinet, um, kicked that off for us. The mayor um, has retained that as his, despite being mayor. <clears throat> That's got so many important facets to it in terms of helping, whether you're, with, whether you're at school, yeah. young mums, you know, so it's been an eye-opener, all of the different groups that can be lonely. Mm-hmm. And um, emphatically, that leads to hidden mental health issues that you don't need, people don't initially think of until you stop and think about mm-hmm. it. So, so yeah, um, that's something else, I think, if I may, for your, for your um, listeners. <clears throat> if you've got um, a little old lady or a little old man opposite, or maybe even, maybe even a single mum who look a bit lonely, haven't got any company... Go and say hello to them. Yeah. Probably make their day. Yeah, give um, them a smile. Give them a little smile. It's uh, the older you get, the more you realise actually just how these things happen and mm. how little things can make a difference. So, uh, absolutely. Well, you can also listen to our interview that we did with Councillor Asia Cuthbert, who's behind yes. this uh, in an earlier episode. And I alluded to the TEDx Beckenham thing last night. Uh, one of the speakers was talking about county lines the um, young people mm. are employed to take drugs hither and thither. And she Tia literally Fisher. talked about, and this is going to be public because it's going on to an international video. Fisher, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. And she was talking about uh, a Bromley uh, mother who literally had to buy her child, child back, back from one of these gangs, which may or may not be locally based. But it's these things go everywhere. The same thing as loneliness. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. It is indeed. Mm. Anyway, on a happier note, I'm going to recommend something to you. Um, we're not far from Southborough. I don't know if you've ever tried it, but the um, mustard sandwich bar, best <laughs> sandwich bar from across in Bromley, and it is approaching lunchtime, or will be in an hour and a bit. Uh, there you go. So the, from the from the um, sublime to the oblivious, or whatever they call it. And, and is that on? Is that the one on Southborough Southborough Lane? It's actually in the cluster of shops off of uh, Southborough Lane. Yeah. Which is in the finest ward in Bromley, I have to tell you. Quick plug for Bickley and Sundridge there to finish with. There Bromley's best walls. There we are. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes, you took me there, didn't you? I did. It was divine. Thank you. Right. Well, I think we can buzz out. Yeah, we're happy. Are we, we going to buzz out with the council? Yes, I think we That's should buzz good. out with you the You have escaped what we um, did with uh, Sir Bob Neil, uh, where we asked him to boo, as they do in Prime Minister's Question Time. Um, <coughs> which he participated in gladly enough. Uh, but we do indeed um, make a, a buzzing sound to a tune of choice at the end of shows. Um, and it may be a tune <laughs> shock on your face. Yeah. <laughs> so join in or not, according to your taste. Z, do you want to lead on this one? Do, no, no, seriously, does, do, do people like Aisha and Peter Fortune buzz at the end of your tunes? We didn't ask them, I don't actually, think. Actually, no. Case, no. No, it's just... 
I thought, it's the perfect moment right now for the first time to have someone... Mm, I, I'll, I think, I'll, if I may, I'll, 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 I might leave you to buzz alone. <laughs> you can, uh, I'll buzz off. off. Discreetly, if you like. I'll oh, bu- maybe I'll buzz off. I'll see how it goes. <laughs> I, I might join in if it seems like fun. How's that? Okay, I don't right. have the best buzzing voice. <laughs> Neither do we. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Ready? Okay. <laughs> Short but um, sweet. Thank you. <laughs>